Welcome to the Strength in Numbers podcast, where we have passion for starting conversations about the Enneagram and team building to help you understand people. I'm Jalan. I'm Jordan. I am Caitlin. Today we are joined by certified Enneagram coach, Sawyer Witted. Sawyer, welcome to Strength in Numbers. Um, so you are a type two. Give us just like a little intro to yourself, who you are, where you are in the world, what you do for work, school. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, as you said, I'm Sawyer. Uh, and thank you guys for having me on this podcast. Uh, very honored to be here and to um, help represent the twos. <laughs> um, yeah, so I live in Pennsylvania. I live about an hour north of Philly. Um, born and raised here. And uh, I'm one of eight kids, so I have a very large family, yes. Um, I'm number six out of the eight. Yeah, and it's been, it's it's kind of a crazy, crazy experience. People always ask me, like, what's what's it like growing up with seven siblings? Um, and I'm like, well, I don't know anything else. <laughs> like, this is just my experience, yeah. you know? I don't know what it would be like to have, like, one sibling or no siblings, you know? Um, but I've always loved it. I mean, I've always said that I love being part of a big family. Um, we're all pretty close for the most part, which is um, rare in big families. And so very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, that definitely, definitely has a lot to do with the forming of my personality and who I am, mm-hmm. um, which we'll get into later. Uh, but yeah, as far as what I do for work, I'm the worship director at my church, uh, Cornerstone Presbyterian Church, which is in Center Valley, PA. Uh, I'm also an Enneagram coach, as you mentioned earlier, Caitlin, and I have my own uh, Enneagram coaching practice uh, called Beyond Your Fears. Uh, and then finally, I'm also a graduate student currently pursuing two masters in, in uh, music, uh, one in piano performance and then one in music theory and composition. And uh, the set graduation is in three months. Um, so I'm very excited to be done. It's been a long road of academic um, career, but <laughs> uh yeah, that's kind of a bit of, of who I am, what I do. That's awesome. How did you come by the Enneagram and what drew you to it? Yeah, so this is, I enjoy telling this story because um, I feel like I had a typical response of a fair amount of people. Uh, I heard about the Enneagram, uh, let's see, six or seven years ago. Um, I took an online test because uh, in college, it was like freshman year or or sophomore year of college or something, um, some friends were asking me, like, well, hey, what's your Enneagram type? And they were talking about their types. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what the Enneagram is. So they sent me a test. And um, I think it was like the Enneagram Institute's like free test. And I took it and I came out as a two. Um, I read the brief overview for the description of the two, hated it, um, and mm-hmm. just like tossed it away. And it was like, that is not me. There's no way I'm, no. And I just like completely denied it. Um and then I just like ignored it, <laughs> literally just ignored like the Enneagram altogether and just went about my life. Um, <laughs> and then when I, gra- uh, a couple years after I graduated, um, my girlfriend actually uh, had told me to check out the Enneagram. And she was like, I'm a type four um, and classic in fourness. She was like, I feel like you could really understand me better <laughs> if you, if you read about the fours. Um, and I was like, okay, sure. And so, um, she sent me, um, she sent me two of Chris Hewitt's books, um, the Enneagram of Belonging and the Sacred Enneagram. And then I ordered Ian Morgan Cron's book at the same time. Um, I didn't know that she was sending me Hewitt's books in the mail as a gift, um, as an early birthday gift. So I ordered Ian Cron's book and started reading through that. And I remember I was, um, I was outside in the backyard in a hammock reading Ian Cron's book and I got to the two and I just started weeping, mm. um, just reading through it. I, I felt like it had described so much of myself and my life. And in between the first time that I had read about the type two, again, like six or seven years ago, and this moment um, in the hammock, in between that time, I had some of the worst time Uh, some of the worst periods of my life. Um, Very, very, very codependent um, in, in a couple of different relationships that I had that left me feeling um, like I didn't really have a sense of my own identity or my own self apart from what other people said of me Mm -hmm. and apart from what other people thought of me. 
And so codependency being a huge thing for twos, Mm -hmm. as I was reading through this, it was giving a language to what I had experienced that was so painful um, and the loss of some friendships that was so painful from college. And I just felt known. I felt understood. Um, And it felt embarrassing (laughs) in a sense too, because yeah, yeah, it was, it was reading my mail, you know, it was, it was pointing out all my flaws and weaknesses and, um, but at the same time, there was a comfort in that in the sense of somebody, yeah, seeing me and, and, um, and knowing me, you know? And so I remember <laughs> the next thing that I did right after like weeping <laughs> was classic two. I took the book to all of my siblings and my parents and was like, you guys need to figure out your types so we can understand each other better. <laughs> um, and I remember I had this whole, like, it was probably like two hours this one Sunday afternoon where they were all hanging out um, at my parents' house. And I was like, I like grabbed my books, took it over. And I was like, guys, listen, I was like, I'm going to read through uh, at the beginning of like each chapter on the each type for Ian Cron's book or in Ian Cron's book, there's like 20 descriptive sentences yeah. for each yeah. type. And I like read through all of them and had everyone like do like a tick mark for every time they're related to a sentence or whatever. Um, and for the most part, everyone found out their type in that, in that sitting. Um, there were like a few of them that mistyped originally. Um, but it is so crazy. Our, my, my eight siblings and I, there's only two of us that are a repeat of the same number. Wow. wow. Yeah. So we have a one, a two, two threes, a four, a six, a seven. Um, and I'm missing one. Wait, who am I missing? <laughs> oh no, that's eight. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then my mom, my mom is a nine, and my dad's a seven. Um, oh, so everybody so just, but an eight. Wow. <laughs> yes, or an, and a five. Yeah, eights and fives. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. My brother-in-law is a five, um, and as far as my other um, in-laws, none of them are eights. Um, mm. And there's some, you know, obviously repeats of the other numbers, but um, yeah, somehow we don't have any eights. And what is really funny, not funny. What is intriguing and ironic about that um, is a couple of my family members, I had to really like help them understand the eight because we don't have any in our family. So it's like eights are already misunderstood, (laughs) but then put on top of that, the fact that like we don't have anyone in our family who's an eight. So it was even harder (laughs) to kind of like understand the eights. Um, It's interesting that. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I was just saying it's interesting that you, from your perspective, are the one that helped them understand the eight because of where you go in stress. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was like desperate to help them understand the eight because there's a very large eight part of me. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, guys, like there's there's a lot. It's not just this aggressive <laughs> number who, you know, just does what they want. Like there's there's so much more there. Um mm-hmm. And one of my like best friends um, from high school, she's an eight too. So mm-hmm. um, I just, yeah, I wanted them to understand. But anyway, so classic two-ness, dove headlong into helping other people understand their types before I even fully understood mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, over the last couple years, as I've just been doing more and more work, um, especially during quarantine, because that, that kind of forced me to slow down and I'm not good at slowing down. Um, I have a very strong three wing. Um I mean, represented by the fact that I'm working two jobs and getting two masters right now. I, right. <laughs> I don't really know how to slow down. So quarantine forced me to slow down. Um, and that was when I actually did a bulk of, of this uh, work of understanding my type. And um, yeah, and just working through some of my past and, and present circumstances that my type, I could clearly see my type um, connecting with, if that makes sense. So when you like, when you found out your type, that was obviously, I think that that moment, like when you finally like soak in like who you are and you have Mm -hmm. that moment, like you had in the hammock where you're like, I'm understood. I feel so (laughs) seen. Um, That can be like really healing and transformative, just like that in and of itself, like awareness Mm -hmm. of like, there's other people like me. Oh, I do act like that. Like, oh, these are my blind spots. But was there, like, was that in itself, like, enough to, like, transform you and grow you, like, over the years as you learned about the Enneagram? Or, like, as a two, has there been, like, certain tools to help you, like, catch yourself in the cycles that you 
that you get into because of the way that just like your brain operates. Does that make sense when I'm asking? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll answer it. And if, if I'm totally off, then yeah. feel free to <laughs> bring me back. Um, yeah. So I think the more I've, I, I have um, dived into uh, each type and understanding how the Enneagram works together as a whole. Um, I, I, quick caveat, I always encourage my clients, um, whenever I'm coaching them through their type, I always encourage them to read about other types and talk about other types mm-hmm. too. Um, because of how, well, first of all, there's automatically five or four other numbers that we're connected to, right? Both our mm-hmm. wings and then our path of security and our path of stress. Yeah. So um, understanding those those types are kind of crucial to understanding uh, the fullness of your own type um, or understanding it more on, on a deeper level. Um, so as far as like different things that have really helped me grow, um, I think really growing in my understanding of the four, which is where I as a two go in security and then mm-hmm. the eight where I go in stress and then understanding my wings, uh, my three wing and my one wing. My three wing is much more developed and much stronger than my one wing pulls at me. Um, but I absolutely have aspects of one in me. Um, mm-hmm. Like that inner critic shows up. <laughs> um, he shows up a lot. And um, I've given him a name. Like like, <laughs> like there's there's like parts of me that like, it's helpful, you know, um, sometimes a name. Um, and, Are you uh, willing to share your name with us? Yeah, yeah, his name's Sean. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Sawyer, but not. <laughs> it's just another S name. Um, it's not very creative, but um, yeah, so that has been really helpful. And then really looking, for me, looking at how my, so one of the, I think, most uncomfortable things about the Enneagram <laughs> is how uncomfortable it makes you feel, um, pointing out your weakness. You know, when I saw mm-hmm. the two's core weakness was pride, I literally was like, of all of the, like, core weaknesses, like, that's the one I hate the most. Like, yeah. why does that have to be the twos? And then I realized, because I'm a two, that's why I hate it the most. Because, <laughs> um, like, my, my, the way that I try to self-protect with my personality and I try to um, seek the affirmation, love, appreciation that I desperately long for, um, the way that I often do that is through... Um, uh, like trying to form form the way that other people are seeing me, right? Mm-hmm. And and hiding who I really am. If we think of Ian Cron once mentioned um, humility as being yourself, not being more, not being less, but yeah. being yourself. Um, as a two, I vacillate between those two extremes all the time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, in my pride, I either think way too much of myself in the way of um, thinking that like I can be all things to all people. Um, mm-hmm. someone needs me, I'll be there. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to insert myself and I will be there and I will take care of you. And, um, and I'll never run out of energy. You know, that's kind of like the mentality. Um, and then I vacillate to the, the other end of the spectrum, you know, the pendulum swing, um, to, if I do fail someone, I, I still think about myself a ton <laughs> with that pride, mm-hmm. but it's the opposite. It's like, I am the worst. Like, if I, if I haven't helped someone, then I am helpless. And who is the helper when he can't help, right? And so mm-hmm. it's just like, mm-hmm. I'm worthless. Like, there's nothing. If I can't be of use to someone, if I and, and worse than that, if I go and I hurt them instead, um, I'm not worthy of love. You know, I'm, I'm going to be rejected, um, which is like my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I've gone down a bunny trail, which is classic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, so I feel like I feel like the more I've learned about the Enneagram and the Type Two and and those other types around me that I'm connected with, um, I feel like the more I've been able to just realize when when I'm starting to veer off course, um, when I'm when I'm no longer living, um, getting my appreciation and love and acceptance from Jesus, um, mm-hmm. when I'm beginning to find it solely in my circumstances and and what people say about me. Um, mm-hmm or how I perceive people are thinking about me. Um, yeah, I start to see, I start to see a lot of, of different negative qualities of my wings and my paths start to show up and it's a big wake up call for me. So does that kind of answer your question, Caitlin? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I love, 
I love that you like mentioned that it wasn't a bunny trail at all. That was exactly what I was asking. But I think that I really relate with a lot of what you're saying, just like being in the heart triad to myself. I think that's like, um, it can manifest itself in like, like the shame that, that, uh, the heart triad feels, but like just that our core, um, like, sins or core weaknesses are we we almost don't relate to them i feel like a lot of times because we've almost mastered like it's become a part of who we are we've mastered that like sin especially as like for me i grew up knowing how to look in like the christian world or whatever like circle i was in Mm -hmm. and so i became like a a master of deceit without even realizing i'm being deceitful because i'm building my reputation i'm building how i look to people and i'm like changing who i am and it just feels like a part of my personality almost so like the way that you talked about that pride is like I, I didn't even relate to it. I hated yes. it. It I think yep. that's like such a common like feeling yep. you can have as people who do like value like self-awareness and and like pursuing goodness, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like it totally. hurts to see like what our the core yeah. of like our sin and our weaknesses because we're like, no, I don't have that. Totally. <laughs> I look so good though. I don't know if that's <laughs> a heart, a heart triad thing or if it's a human humankind thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's true because as a nine, um, I hate the fact that mine is lazy. Mm. And I hear that word lazy and think I am not a lazy person. Mm-hmm. Um and it is hard to uh, own it in in the way that I need to own it. You know, um, I've before the Enneagram, I was you know always talk um, easygoing, very laid back. Hmm. Um, the I was a um, Oh gosh, what I can't even remember what it is on the, the on the disc. The S, yeah, I think the S, yeah, um, and you know, so that has some of that lazy in there, laid back, not, and so mm-hmm. I've always not liked that word mm-hmm. either, um, and want to say that that's not what I am, you know, like I'm not a lazy person, um, but really owning what it is in right. the falling asleep to myself type of a thing. And, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. once I really understand what it's saying, then it's, it is kind of like, uh, it's even more painful actually. Yes, (laughs) It's like repelling to know that word lazy, that kind of turns me off, Mm. turned me off. Um, But then when you really see what it is and you're like, Oh, that's what it means. It's that's where the pain kind of came in. Yeah, Yeah. It's, it's like our our behaviors might not even change that much once we do have like a pure motive behind what we do like maybe you as the helper your your behaviors maybe maybe not maybe yes didn't change that much like outwardly people maybe saw you the same but how you felt and how you're freely giving love instead Mm -hmm. of giving love with contingencies you know absolutely changes because our motivation isn't this pendulum swing from i need you to love me because i love you and you know like you're not on this roller coaster anymore it's just free love totally yeah 100 percent agree (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah because like i haven't changed being a connector i haven't changed being um really social and outgoing and and friendly and empathetic if anything actually I've become more empathetic I feel like I cry more with people now than I used to um and yet I still have like a ton of work to do a ton of Mm -hmm. work to do um I was literally just this morning feeling overwhelmed with my two-ness um because it just like (laughs) there are just times where it's just like oh my gosh like stop worrying about what people think of you (laughs) like (laughs) you can exist apart from others expectations and thoughts of you um and so but yeah I feel like yeah you're just you both were hitting hitting the nail on the head there. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, even just like when you first said, stop worrying what people think about you. I was kind of like, he worries about that. <laughs> and then um, 
like because I worry about that. But then you, what you said after that, um, people love um, you. You can or, exist apart from what people's expectations are of you, or how people think of it. You. Just showed me the because like I have that same worry, but it is definitely mm -hmm. more from the gosh. If I say this, does it even matter? Nobody really cares what I have to say. Right. I mean, it's just so interesting how we have those same feelings, but it's from a completely different yeah. motivation. Yeah. And my thought underneath that, Jillian, too, this is what I often tell people who are confused about twos and nines, right? Because we can look very similar. Mm -hmm. um, I tell people, I'm like, nines are wrestling with exactly what you just said, Jillian. Like, does it even matter if I speak? <laughs> Twos are like, what I have to say matters, dang it. Like, listen to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and like, I won't usually show that aggression unless I'm like at the end of my rope and going to eight. Um, but I mean, I, I, I rarely feel like what I have to say doesn't matter. <laughs> rarely. <laughs> doesn't mean that I say it or that I let it show. Um, mm -hmm. But I do have a deep sense of like, no, like I, I'm here to help people and like I matter. And, uh -huh. and I think there's a good groundedness in that. And I think there's also a pride in that too, of like, I matter more than these people matter. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they're, yeah. and I would never, never say that out loud or right. even right, consciously right. think that, but that's absolutely totally. the motivations going on underneath at times for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. so that Some of that difference is um, pretty much whenever I take the test too, comes out pretty high on me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think my tri, tri type to mm -hmm. just throw out a term, we don't have to get into that, but yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely two is in my tri type. Yeah. Um, but one of the, but because it comes out high, it is something that I thought, okay, am I a two? Um, right. And that whole, that difference of inserting myself, yeah. confident of my opinion, um, that type of a thing has, has settled for me that no, I am. I am not because I'm going to help you. I will definitely be there to help somebody if yeah. they if they tell me they need it. But right. I am not confident that I know exactly what you want and I'll just step in and do it. <laughs> you know? But bit. if you ask me, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. Um, yeah. And it it is um. Uh, it is a definite a distinct difference. I can be I feel yeah. it whenever we, whenever I talk hear somebody talking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't do that. No. <laughs> Yeah, I'll probably be there whether that. you ask me to or not. <laughs> That's more where I'm at. I'm like, I'll just yeah. interject when I need to interject. <laughs> oh, man, gets me to trouble. <laughs> Same. So how I want to talk about like the ways that you really relate to your like um, secure and stress lines, mm -hmm. especially with an eight here. Like talk sure. about the eight and the ways that you feel connected in a good totally. or like negative kind of sense. Yeah. So I really appreciate um, Suz Suzanne Stabile and how she talks about this because um, mm -hmm. she loves talking about the stress and security uh, paths and and she talks she like talks very often and Beth McCord talks about this too and I think every Enneagram teacher does, um, but. Suzanne talks often about how you can use both for good or for evil, mm -hmm. um, how you can go to both in health and unhealth. And that's been so helpful for me because, you know, the initial thing that most people learn is that, you know, for me as a two, I only go to four in health and I only go to right. eight in unhealth. But when I started to learn about, and, and like that was really helpful for sure. But when I started to learn about going to four in unhealth and going to eight in health, um, I felt like my horizons were so much more expanded. Yeah. Um, and even just like further understanding of myself was so helpful and comforting. Um, so yeah, I guess I can talk. Um, so there's four. <laughs> when I go to four in health, uh, I actually begin to spend time alone and I begin to spend time journaling and I spend time um, identifying my feelings. Um, that is probably my least favorite thing to do in the entire universe. Um, like I would rather do my taxes than have to uh, identify what I'm feeling. And it's not that You'll I don't sit feel. sit with people all day and help them identify theirs. Right. And feel with them. It's not mm -hmm. that I don't, I don't feel. Um, yeah. I feel all of the freaking time. Mm -hmm. um, but twos are mirrors. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to feel what you feel. 
Like, I can have a day where I have felt in the dumps, very depressed, and to the other extreme of, like, manic joy, um, Mm -hmm. and everything in between, all in one day, depending on who I've been around. (laughs) Um, So I remember I, I had gotten lunch with a friend one time, and I remember I had a really productive morning, like, it was such a good morning, and, like, I even, like, had some time to spend with myself and, like, journal and, like, spend time with the Lord in the morning, and that doesn't always happen, and so it was just, like, I was just, yeah, it was just a really good day. And then I met them for lunch and they were really struggling. And the second I walked in and saw their countenance, like the second I saw their face, I felt my heart sink. And immediately Mm -hmm. I went to that exact place with them. I didn't even realize I did it. Um, And so I'm like talking with this person, you know, we go to order our lunch um, and I disappear, you know, to go to the bathroom real quick. And I remember I'm like, I'm in the bathroom and I'm just like looking in the mirror at myself and I'm like, why are you like why are you so moody you were fine like moments ago you were fine before you walked in mm-hmm. and this happened in the last few months so i was aware of the enneagram um and i realized that i literally had mirrored what my friend was feeling from the second i walked in and again standing there in the bathroom looking at myself in the mirror i started laughing um because i was just <laughs> like you're literally just feeling what they're feeling and like yeah. you don't need to let that determine how you're going to feel um, yeah. you can feel with them, yeah. but you can also leave this here when you go home, you know, when you mm-hmm. leave that, you don't have to go home depressed and sad, mm-hmm. um, Good. Mm-hmm. which is like something that is, I, that I just do unconsciously. Yeah. And I think when I talk about the mirroring that I do as a two, um, I have to talk about it in conjunction with, um, my defense mechanism, which is repression. So repressing my own feelings and needs and desires and wants, um, and then over identifying and mirroring that yeah. of others. Um, it just, it can just make for a, for a, uh, a rough, um, <laughs> combination. And so, so anyway, so when I start to go to foreign health, back to your question, mm-hmm. um, when I start to go to foreign health, I actually am more aware of my own feelings and mm-hmm. I begin to kind of dive into them and figure out what they are. Um, and a big way that I have to do that is verbal processing or journaling. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, journaling is a form of verbal processing. Um, because again, I, I as a two, um, sitting far away from the thinking triad and not having anything that connects, not having any points, my one, my three, my four, or the eight that are in the thinking triad, I have repressed thinking. So yeah. this idea of trying to trying to think through things on my own without verbally processing it takes a lot of work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go in circles in my head or come to conclusions that are totally not realistic or what reality is, you know? So when I can sit and journal my feelings, I, I feel like that's a really healthy way in which I go to four and begin to kind of turn inward and actually figure out what's going on internally. Um, and then another way that I go to four, um, but not as healthy is when I'm around those that I'm the most secure with, right? And my guard's kind of down. Um, Mm -hmm. and when I'm not doing well and I'm with those people. Um, so like with my family, my mom actually asked me, um, when I was first going through the whole Enneagram process, she's like, are you sure you aren't a four? And I was like, why? (laughs) And she's like, well, you can be kind of, and she's a nine. So again, she was kind of like, she like didn't want to upset me, but she was like trying to prod. (laughs) She's like, well, you're very aware of feelings and you're you can be moody sometimes (laughs) um and she's like and i think that you know sometimes you can be a little (laughs) self-focused and i was like well mom i said there's actually a reason why you're seeing all of that you're completely correct i said that's me going to foreign unhealth you know i do i do can I, i can get stuck in my own head and even stuck in my feelings which are oftentimes actually what I'm just feeling of other, like other people's feelings that yeah. I start to over-identify with. It's very mm-hmm. confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of some of the way that I can go in on health. Um, and then another way, which is really interesting, like I, I kind of have this sense, I'll get this sense of like self-importance of like, I worked really hard today, so I'm going to have a piece of cake. Or like, I, you know, I'm going, I'm going to go practice for a few hours, so... I'm going to get a latte, you know, to like reward myself and have something with me. And like, those things are not bad. Right. But I can do it. Like I can like overdo it to the point where like, I'm starting to find like my affirmation that I'm seeking for all my hard work and the things that I do in food. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there's, there's, there's a hint of forness there too, of like kind of that self-importance um, yeah. and like, um, yeah, just kind of like rewarding myself. Yeah. And then, and then going to eight, 
I feel like this is a lot more obvious for me in some ways, um, which is classic with eights, right? They're kind of like, here I am in yep. all of my glory and you have to deal with it. Um, and so I, when I am completely drained, like, I mean, I can go, I can go months and months and even years, um, where I am just focusing on other people and not paying attention yeah. to myself. I mean, I did it all of my teenage life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I got to a point in college where I was burnt out, <clears throat> completely burnt out. Like I had nothing left. And so some of the things that I do there with eight is that um, I like, I physically can't mirror anymore what you're feeling. Mm. And so one of the things that I'll do is I will literally just like shut down. Yeah. Um, I'll sit there, I'll listen, I'll force myself to verbally attract with you while you're speaking, but I cannot feel empathy with you um, because I am so burnt out. Um, I think a lot of that idea that um, uh, David talks about in the Psalms, in Psalm 23, where he says, um, my cup overflows, right? And this idea of being filled with blessings and and the beginning of that verse, is actually, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows. And so that idea of, of the Lord actually prepares, right? The Lord takes care of, the Lord protects. Um, I think a big theme for a lot of twos is feeling feeling unprotected um, mm. uh, or overly protected. Um, mm. And I can get into that a little bit more uh, later. But um, this idea that the Lord is taking care of us and when he does that, he fills up our cup. And what happens if you have a cup on the table and you fill it up with water, right? If you keep filling it, it's going to overflow. The water's going to get on the table. The water's going to spill on the floor. It's going to hit whatever you have on the table and, and get everything wet. Um, and this idea of the Lord filling me with blessings and me sitting in his presence and, and drinking from that well, naturally I then start overflowing that and it starts affecting the people in my environment around me. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm functioning from a place of um, contentment and, and being filled by the Lord um, and, and, and a steady rootedness that I'm beloved. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a big term for me, you know, that, that I am, I am loved just because I'm Sawyer witted. Like that's, that's it. Um, Mm -hmm that naturally then overflows. And I just, I I feel like I can be a lot more altruistic in the way that I love those around me and care for those around me. And I get so much joy out of that. Um, But when I'm not drinking from that well, that's when eight really shows up for me in unhealth. And I I just start to put up those walls and um, yeah, won't won't let things affect me emotionally. And lack Um, empathy. Yeah, lack empathy, totally. Um, Because it's just, there's just none left, none left to give. And that's saying something because twos are some of the most empathetic um, and I think that's part of the reason why I can go a very, very long time, um, mm-hmm. before it happens, but it will happen if I don't take care of myself. Yeah. Um, and as time has gone on, I've been able to see it more gradually happen, which is helpful. So I don't yeah. get to the point where it's just like completely burnt out. And then it's like, what happened? Where am I? But as far as how I go to eight in health, eight, <laughs> if I did not have eight, I would never say no to anyone ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I would have zero emotional boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny boundaries used to be a dirty word to me I hated that word um, because boundary meant that I could only get so close to someone mm-hmm. um, it meant that I could only I could only be so known and so loved by someone before before it stops mm-hmm. um, and I hated that concept you know I I remember I'm I'm a sexual two or a one-to-one two so um, this idea of building one-on-one and fostering one-on-one connections and relationships, um, is huge for me. And so the way that it's actually shown up for me has been more so than romantic relationships. It's actually been in, in my platonic friendships. Um, and I remember like all of my life, like I wanted a best friend and like I had multiple at different periods and then their family would move and I wouldn't see him again. Or, um, I remember one kid at church, another kid came in and the three of us were hanging out and then they started hanging out more and then mm-hmm. stopped hanging out with me. Um, I had another friend in in my teenage years who was very just very full of himself and um, thought he was the coolest thing, and I thought he was the coolest thing. So I kind of followed him around like a faithful little puppy, um, <laughs> and and you know put all of my identity in what he thought of me and suffocated him, um, and uh, you know he couldn't take it anymore, which I don't blame him. <laughs> 
But I feel like a lot of those experiences have really helped me learn to appreciate the word boundary and realize that a boundary is a really, really good thing and it's a blessing because it keeps mm-hmm. out what needs to stay out and it keeps in what needs to stay in. So that goes that goes in the sense of keeping in what needs to stay in. You know, I don't I don't overshare about myself with people, um, you know, to get them to love me or to to yeah. accept me. Um, I don't overshare my advice when it's not welcomed or when it's wrong too. Like you know, and and being more humble with that. Um, and then as far as like keeping things out, like learning to not put all my eggs into one basket. You know, kind of spread it in in multiple friendships and relationships um, has really helped me keep people close, like good, good, dear friends. And I have some of the sweetest community I've ever had now, which I'm so thankful for. Um, But with like good boundaries and good expectations of them. Um, And it's not perfect at all, but I feel like eight really, really helped me own that. Um, And even to own my strength in a sense um, and my ability to, to say no. You know, that Mm -hmm. takes, that takes strength to say no. And so, yeah, I think, I think at least now currently this season of my life, going to eight in health has been like one of my favorite, favorite things. (laughs) Um, I so appreciate the eight part of me. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was a really long answer to your question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's good though. Mm -hmm. Do you notice any like, so like I notice a lot, I've heard a lot of twos talk about like the aggression in an eight. Do you notice that at all? Or is it a lot of just like walls and like rationalizing and distancing? Or do you notice like the aggression in it, yeah. whether it's like a good or like if you're accessing it in a positive way or mm-hmm. a non-positive way? Yes. I just mm-hmm. thought of two things when you mm-hmm. asked that question. Mm-hmm. So one is with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been much more assertive with my family. Mm-hmm. Um and part of that is being number six of eight. Um, yeah. I I wasn't okay to not be heard, um, which is another another difference between twos and nines in, in a sense because my oh, little yeah. sister, who's number seven out of eight of us, so she's just a couple years younger than me, she is a nine. And I mean, she's always she's always felt like she doesn't have a voice in the family. Yeah. And and like, in in groups, it's really cool to see her in the last couple of years start to kind of come out of her shell and like speak confidently and, and share things, opinions and thoughts. Um, but for the most part, she just, she very empathetically listens. Um, mm-hmm. and I've always been very quick to speak, <laughs> very quick to speak in my family. Um, and so I think in some of those ways I'll speak with authority on things because I want my family to know that I'm important. Um, mm-hmm. I want my family to know that I have value. Um, and they do like, I know they all love me. Um, but yeah, I think just that like subconscious motivations, um, that fear of being rejected and and not wanted and not appreciated or valued, um, I I will show up in my eightness aggressively, um, yeah. and I'll even state things as fact at times, like beliefs yeah. that I have or like things that I've studied. I just state them like they're like well known facts to like look smart or to look yeah. you know <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I'm sure some of my three wing comes into play here too. Um, <laughs> But the other example that I thought of when you asked that question was when um, when I've had uh, situations where I've been at work um, and talking, working with like a manager or, or something like that, um, there's, there's nothing that I hate more in some ways um, than feeling powerless in a situation. And it's not from an eight standpoint where I'm afraid I'm going to be taken advantage of, advantage of or betrayed, right? It's, it's a powerlessness in the sense of like I can't help, um, I can't fix things. I, what I have to say doesn't matter. Because um, mm-hmm. again, if my default way of living life is believing that I need to be helpful and I need to be, I need to be of use to people, I need to be indispensable to them um, to have any value. If I'm not, or if I get told no, or if I share an idea with my boss um, or my senior pastor, and he says, I don't think we're going to move in that direction. We're going somewhere else. It can be really, really hard for me to not take that to heart and take that very personally mm-hmm. and to separate what I do and what I offer people from my identity and who I am yeah. feels like a very, very hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, and so there have been times where... Um, I've had 
you know, my, my senior pastor or, or any other job that I've worked with where I've had a boss where, um, they'll ask me, you know, I feel like I've been, I feel like I'm, I've been turned down or my help or my advice has been turned down. And then, so my walls go up and I feel rejected. And then the way that that comes out in behavior is I can give very short answers. Um, I can be very, um, quick to write people off, um, just to be like, eh, well, if you can't, if you can't get on board with what I have to say, then forget you, you know, which is very eight. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so I've seen, I've seen some of that eight aggression for sure show up. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't like to show anger ever, um, to people. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the repress repression to tendency that you have as a two, because the eights don't have a repressive tendency. <laughs> <laughs> right which is so good and like i that's just another reason why i need eight you know yeah so anyway i think that's probably how how some of the more eight aggression shows up with me um it doesn't tend to be a very outward aggression what this kind of uh your last comment about being at work kind of segues into my next question um Mm -hmm. is um i'm just wondering how how do you use the enneagram at your work besides recognizing obviously what you're doing in, in your relationship to your boss. But I'm assuming as a worship leader, you probably have people that you're leading. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what, how have you used the Enneagram? Are you requiring all of them to know their number or, you know, (laughs) things like that? (laughs) I'm working on it. Um, And how has it helped you? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. I think so. So twos have this this superpower um, where we see need, right? We see things that need to be fulfilled. We see things that need to get done. We see people who need to be cared for. Um, we tend to see the marginalized. Whether we actually show up for the marginalized depends because sometimes we struggle with favoritism where we only show up for those that we, we want affection from or we want appreciation from. Um, but as far as seeing need, I see it everywhere. I think it's another reason why it's really hard for me to identify my own needs because I feel like I'm intuiting everybody else's that there's no space for mine. Um, mm-hmm. If I were to if I were to look at my own needs and my own feelings, uh, I mean I'm afraid that it would crush me because I don't stop feeling the world's needs. I don't stop feeling those around of all my different siblings, of all my friends, my parents. I don't I don't stop feeling those needs. But then when I start to feel mine as well, you know, it just it it can be really scary. So I think one of the ways that I really can show up and work, which is helpful, is, yeah, seeing those things, seeing what needs to what needs to be changed, what needs to be helped in this area or that area. On the worship team specifically, with, with the people that I have underneath me, I love teaching them. I love coaching them and, and helping them learn a harmony or helping them um, get the right groove down on the drums um, or changing a strumming pattern that someone's doing um, on the guitar. Like, I love being able to fine tune those things and help people become better musicians. I very much have a uh, philosophy of excellence with my worship team, um, where I want I want the worship to be going so well that it's not a distraction, um, that it's something where the congregation can come and they can sing and not realize that the violinist is really flat and be totally distracted by that. And then they're not even paying attention to worshiping, you know? And so I think there's a certain level of, of excellence that I like to uh, have with my worship team. And so part of that is I love to help them become more excellent. I love to um, train them musically and, and help them out in those ways. And yeah, I, I'm going to be going, I'm part-time with my church right now, but I'm actually going to be going full-time here in, in just a few weeks with them. And one of the things that I put in like, um, in my proposal for full-time was, um, I would love to give like, have the time to give like individual lessons to the worship band members, um, help them cultivate their gifts. Like, I feel like we have a responsibility here as church leaders to help the flock cultivate their gifts. And so that just gets me really jazzed. Like, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. I love getting to do that with them. Uh, another way is that I feel like when it comes to building community, um, when it comes to hospitality ministries, uh, I have a keen, keen eye for that stuff as well. Um, so new people who come to the church, I love meeting the new people who come to the church because I want them to feel welcomed. Um, mm-hmm. And I want them to 
yeah, immediately get connected in and to be shown that, you know, we care about them. Part of that is I love to offer ideas. <laughs> and I think this is also where kind of like the inserting my help comes from. Offering ideas to to um, my senior pastor and my assistant pastor, you know. Um, I meet with them once a week. Like we meet in a staff meeting once a week. Um, I feel like I see a lot of things where I'm like, oh, well, I think we could improve in this area or we could improve in that area. And maybe this maybe this is also partially like, my one and my three coming together too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like helping, helping ministries improve so that we can better love and care for the people. Like that's, that's really my heart at it is the idea of shepherding the flock, like providing care. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that's just what, that's what gets me up out of bed in the morning. Um, yeah. So. How has yeah. it, how has it impacted you? Like, is there somebody with a different number that just like knowing that number has made under having an understanding of that, that type of a thing has made an impact in the way you relate to them. Oh my goodness. Um, yes. Because you're like frustrated because you know, they're not helping the way you think they should help mm-hmm. or, um, totally. but then when you stop and realize, Oh, this is a nine, I need to tell yeah. them, I need to yep. tell them that I need their help or, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So I just thought of three, three different people specifically. (laughs) I have a four who is a vocalist on my worship team. And I've had to have, I've had to like have follow-up conversations with her where I've had to, she's, she's like confronting me about something, right? About, Hey, like, I feel like you were like being really harsh with me about, you know, like not getting this harmony. And like, that breaks my heart. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like I'm, I'm not intending to be harsh with you in any way. I'm, I'm trying to help you get better at your harmony right um and what she she's very well versed in the enneagram too so what she said to mm-hmm. me she was like honestly sir she's like i think that my fourness is really showing up because i'm feeling really inadequate like i'm feeling like i'm not good enough um mm-hmm. and i was like i was like that is not the case at all i understand your feelings but i promise you that's not the case i said i wouldn't have you on the team if you weren't good enough <laughs> um <laughs> i said i'm i'm just here to help you help you uh flourish in your giftings and that's what i want to do and at times I can really get into the work mode and forget to care for you well in that. Um, and so I'm sorry for that. Help me, help me get better at that. And I think just in the back of my head, knowing she was a four was so helpful, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I think about my senior pastor, he's a three. Understanding him sometimes, I mean, he will just go, go, go and get things done and just be so efficient. Oh my goodness. Um, and there are times where I'm like, hey, I'm, st- I'm still here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, take me with you. <laughs> and again, understanding that he's a three and, and he doesn't intentionally mean mean any, any harm at all has helped me feel a lot more secure with the fact that he loves and cares about me. But, you know, he, his threeness shows up at work. You know, he, he's efficient. He gets things done. And um, he is he has taken our church. He, he has helped our church grow so much in in structure. When he came, uh, we basically had no structure and he has helped like create teams and structure and like hierarchy and all this stuff that has been just wonderful and so healthy for our church. Um, and cast vision, like he's a big vision caster. Um, so again, finding out he was a three, I'm like, Oh, that's no surprise. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that hope and that vision. And then finally my assistant pastor, he's a nine. And so it's been really helpful because I've been more, more keyed into when he, when, when he, the nine, my senior pastor, the three, and myself, the two, are in a meeting, doing a worship planning meeting um, and planning for services, and uh, Doug and I are just talking, 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 back and forth, back and forth. Knowing that Matt's a nine, it's really helpful for me to turn and be like, oh, wait, Matt, what are your thoughts? You know, like, how, what are you feeling about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and he has wonderful thoughts. I mean, he's he's just, I look up to that man so much. And so getting to, yeah, realize that he's a nine and trying to make sure that he knows that I do, I do value his presence. You know, I do value his thoughts and his, and his, um, contributions and, and his leadership. Um, I think it's just been really helpful, you know, if, yeah, just, just being aware of that so that for me, I tell people, one of the reasons I love the Enneagram so much is because it helps me care for people better. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I, I can understand them better. And so I can care for them on a deeper level. And again, I mean, caring for people, you know, and I'm a two, (laughs) that's just what I love. Um, yeah, well, gosh, Sawyer, I think we could probably have this conversation all day. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Uh, it's, 
it's been so good and um, so helpful and really insightful into the heart and mind of a two. Um, mm. So we really appreciate you bringing that to us. Um, can you remind us again of how people could connect with you if they are interested in coaching themselves? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So my website is byfcoaching.com. Um, that stands for Beyond Your Fears Coaching. Um, and then my email is sawyer at byfcoaching.com. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm on I'm on Instagram and Facebook at those those same uh, handles. Handles, thank you. <laughs> Jeez. Um, uh, Don't rely on me for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Same letters. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> um, any of any of those places you can get a hold of me and just kind of see what I'm doing. So, yeah. Well, thank awesome. you so much for being uh, one of our first members, helping to or yeah, interviews, helping people to yeah. under get a good understanding of the Enneagram and. Uh, we look forward to hearing more from you at some point. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This was such a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us for our third episode of our new podcast. Sawyer did a great job of really helping us know the type two. For our next episode, we'll be talking to a type three. We'd love it if you would like and follow us. And if you think you know others who might find this information helpful, please share. Have a great week. And don't forget, there's strength in numbers.